Hello, this is Father Hightower, and welcome to Vox SFX, the voice of St. Francis Xavier Parish in Missoula, Montana, and sponsored in part by the Foundation for the Diocese of Helena. We are so pleased that you have joined us. Your participation enriches our community. We hope that our show serves as a point of light, helping to deepen our understanding and experience of the Catholic faith and history. Join us as we seek through prayer, study, interviews, and discussion the roots of our ancient mysteries. in the studio today, we have Father Craig Hightower and Father Paul Cochran, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Advent uh, and the Advent wreath within like the, the Catholic tradition. So, uh, Father Cochran, uh, let's start with you. What exactly, uh, for somebody who may not know, is Advent? Well, Advent is a season of the church. It's a four-week season of preparation and getting ready for the birth of Christ, to celebrate his birth, the nativity, but it's also a reminder for us to be focused upon the second coming of Christ. So this four-week season, it comes to us uh, through our history, sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes in a different way, but it's meant to say, slow down, think about what is coming up, get ready so that you can then have a heart ready to welcome Christ. Did you have anything to add to that, Father Hightower? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it is a, it's a liturgical season. It is not from the time of Christ. It uh, comes about, what, about 400 years later? It's about uh, in the 5th century, late 5th century. It has, a movement has started in preparation for Christmas, whether it came through church leaders or whether it came through the people themselves but there is a, a recollection that in the late 4th or 5th century that uh, a season of Advent was beginning. It's from the Latin word, I'm going to mispronounce it, but it's Adventus. Adventus. Which means coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a criminologist, so all my Latin is legal Latin. So this, this church, <laughs> even though I'm a priest, this church Latin doesn't do anything. So I, I love the season of Advent, and I think many of us do. Why did the church feel that it was necessary to include this part of the season? Because, I mean, Christmas, of course, is the, the celebration of the birth of our Savior, the, the coming of the light to the world. But Advent, why was that seen as, as a, a need or a want for the church to have? Well, I would describe it as a kind of a human need, reflecting upon the preparation for Easter, the 40 days of Easter in Lent, People saw a need also to be ready to celebrate the birth of Christ uh, when it became commonly celebrated just after the solstice so that the uh, heart, the mind, and the spirit were ready. So it's as much of a human need as it is a spiritual need in the church. And one of the things the... uh... We've spoken a little bit about this before. One of the things the church has always done is what we call synchronization. We synchronize different holidays and things. So with, as Father Cochran just said, you know, the nativity comes about after the solstice. 
And so it's a pagan holiday that we then Christianize mm -hmm. and uh, move it around to fit the needs of the believer and pr preparation. And that's something that church has always done. Christmas, I mean, the, the classic example would be Advent. A bigger example than some of the commercialization of the, of the uh, faith would be uh, the Christmas tree, you know, which would be pagan. But we, we've, the church has always done that when they've come into new lands or come into to conflict with pagan ideas. They kind of synchronize it and make it, give it a theology and give it a Christianity. Well, that's, that's something, as just kind of a side, that seems to be relatively unique to Catholicism because in the other branches of Christianity, of course, they're trying to spread the gospel and they're, and they're definitely you know, evangelizing and bringing people in. But I feel like the Catholic Church is kind of singular in that, hey, you have this, this celebration, let's include that celebration with, with the rest of us too, but in you know, a, a Catholic sort of way. Well, it would be one of the uh, things that Martin Luther criticized the church for. Um, sola scriptorius. So if it's not in scripture, it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. And so as the Catholic Church has done that synchronization, Martin Luther actually coming out of that German tradition would say, no, if it's not in the Bible, it doesn't count. And so that's why so many of the Protestant uh, traditions within Christianity uh, don't do the same thing. Hmm. Yet uh, in my doing this little bit of research, it is from a Protestant tradition where this wreath starts to gain popularity. Hmm. So in the 19th century, mid-19th century, a uh, Protestant evangelist who was trying to help children understand the meaning of Christmas developed this uh, idea of kind of maybe a small uh, home-based wreath. And so uh, the Advent has kind of gone through some different changes. The Eastern Church has what is known as the nativity fast in which they will uh, prepare for uh, Christmas which they actually celebrate epiphany what we call epiphany uh, by having a, a fast from certain foods certain activities and so the, there's a whole idea about preparing oneself one of the interesting things I, I saw when I was in Alaska the uh, children anticipating their birthday would keep asking mom or dad or somebody how many more sleeps until my birthday hmm. and so the, there there is just that human side of anticipation and when you bring it into a deeper realm of our faith especially that uh, christ uh, was born one like us and so it it helps us prepare. So when we're talking about that, the building of anticipation for the Christmas season, how do we do that um, as, as Catholics, as Christians? Because I know that the, the, for the candles, uh, for instance, is a, is a huge part of our kind of tradition on that. But why do we even do that? Well, as, as Father Cochran said, the um, a Protestant minister, uh, Johann Wickram, who worked at a school, and the kids would ask, you know, how many sleeps till Christmas? How many sleeps till Christmas? And so he did it as a way of time telling. And then the colors of the candles have certain meaning too. He started it with uh, 40 candles. Oh, wow. Um, and then a special candle that you would light on Saturday, which would be the vigil. And then to, we've kind of simplified it to just four candles. Some, some Advent wreaths have five candles. So they have the center candle, which is white, which is lit on Christmas Day. But most Advent wreaths are just the four candles, and so it symbolizes the four weeks. And each week has a meaning. Um, the first week is hope. 
uh, looking forward to it. And it's that kind of that light casting out the darkness. In the Protestant traditions, they're usually going to be blue or purple. In the uh, Catholic tradition, they're going to be a violet. And then each week as we progress towards uh, the nativity, um, each week has a different prayer. I think also that the amount of sunlight is changing, especially for us in the northern hemisphere. Sure. And so as the light is getting darker, as there's less light, they want to have a way to say Christ the light is coming into the world. So lighting a candle is one important way to push back the darkness. Hmm. One of the things that of the four candles that you typically see on an advent wreath, one is pink or rose colored. And it goes back to when there was a certain amount of fasting that went on during the four weeks of Advent, that third Sunday, Gaudete Sunday, Joyful Sunday, was a chance for people to break their fast and to enjoy some foods. It was kind of a a midpoint, like a halftime during a game. And so uh, that candle is often known as the joy candle. And again, it's about the the joy that John the Baptist is proclaiming about the one who is to come. There are huge battles, tongue-in-cheek battles in the church, whether it's pink or whether it's rose. (laughs) Uh, Why is that distinction? Well, rose is the liturgical color for joy. Um, and so it's, it's, it's what you use for joy. Uh, that third candle is also sometimes called the shepherd candle mm. um, because it's in that, almost in the halfway point, or a little bit over the halfway point. But it's funny how people get so uh, tied up in the tint of the, the, the candle. You know, when you're anticipating Christ coming, casting out the darkness, moving forward, and then, oh, wait, it's the wrong color. Let's fight over this. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like a... A silly thing to fight over, but a really cool idea. I again, this casting off the darkness, this idea of bringing the community together, and these these shared rituals, and this 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 warmth to kind of ward off the cold. It's it's a wonderful time. I, I enjoy Advent very much. But beyond the candles and beyond the the kind of the Advent itself, you know, the the calendars and everything. What other rituals do we have to mark the season? Well, Advent is a season which the church has typified as a penitential season, but not in the sense of penance the way Lent is. It's rather, it's a preparation season, and in preparation for something, we often forego something uh, that we really like or that, so that we can wait and enjoy it at a later time. Vatican II really re-emphasized the joyful aspect of Advent, the, the waiting, anticipation, and tried to take perhaps some of the edge off the penitential season. But it's also a season in which most parishes are offering the sacrament of reconciliation, both as individuals, you know, the regular times for confession or reconciliation, but also a service of reconciliation. And so we will be doing that here at uh, St. Francis Xavier, as well as St. Ignatius Loyola up in St. Ignatius, Montana. And at some point, for those of you who may not be overly familiar with Catholic tradition, you've heard us a couple of times now on the episodes mentioned Vatican II. 
This was huge for us, and we're not going to go into it right now, but please do be assured that in some later episode, we're going to go into what exactly Vatican II did for the Catholic Church and for the, the way we practice our faith. But uh, as for, for this particular one... Well, I think the other thing that Advent does for us is the, the rich symbolism of some of uh, the articles we use. The Advent wreath, obviously, um, it's normally made out of evergreen, uh, which symbolizes life that doesn't end or stop. So, you know, it doesn't turn brown. And the holly is symbolizes the crown of Christ. You know, the berries symbolize the blood. So even the way the Advent wreath is constructed is is symbolic and has a, you know, has a tradition going back, like I say, to, you know, 19th century Germany, mm-hmm. um, probably brought here to the United States more in the early 20th century by uh, Lutherans and German immigrants, Catholic immigrants, um, so it wasn't a big, big thing until then. But now it's pretty symbolic across the board of that countdown. The, the circular shape also has an important aspect that that life does not end, that it does go in a circle and is unbroken. Um, I've heard one tradition where, because in the wintertime, uh, farmers were not able to be in the field, so they would take one of their wagon wheels off the wagon and bring it into the home and place the candles uh, at the at four equidistant places on the uh, wagon wheel, and then decorate that wagon wheel as well. And in some parishes, they actually will have something that large hanging from the ceiling uh, with the four candles. And so it it just kind of reaching back to a tradition, reaching back to something that feels familiar, but also has deep symbolism as well. It's uh, interesting you mentioned the the wagon wheel. The tiny church that I went to as a kid when I was growing up out in the middle of nowhere, Montana, we did that. We Mm -hmm. had a a wagon wheel that we had in there, so it was actually an interesting tradition. I I just thought that it was something that that was the the object that was big enough to to use. I didn't realize that there was a deeper ritual. The first one, you know, was probably a wagon wheel or a wheel of some kind. And, the, and again, like we use different things. Uh, a lot of people, you'll see sometimes them made out of pine cones, uh, an advent wreath out of pine cones, because a pine cone is a symbol of life and hope, and nourishment. And so, there, you know, there, again, there's this, all these different symbolisms that take place uh, just in the creation. Well, and, and when we're talking about the symbolism, you had mentioned that the advent wreath itself was a Protestant invention. Correct. Um, when did we adopt that? You know, I'm not really sure when the Catholic Church adopted it. I mean, certainly by the late uh, 19th century, we were using it, particularly in Germany, the Catholic Church in Germany. And like I say, it probably came here to the United States more in the the early 20th century, 1920s, through Lutherans and through uh, German Catholic immigrants. Uh, that big influx that came in right after World War I um, would be probably where it came into use here in the United States. It's just, It's a very practical um, thing that especially when you can start seeing some symbolisms in that uh, wreath, whether it's a wagon wheel or whether it's constructed of some other material, uh, what it's decorated with. Uh, it's a very practical, it's also a teaching tool. It's also a calendar type tool as well. And it forms memories. You can see the light depending on if the candles are scented. You will then smell the perfume uh, from the candles. And it it leaves an impression about this season that there's something different going on because 
the rest of the year we don't have an advent wreath or something like that we do have candles but not a wreath uh with this specific intention right and even at the beginning of mass when we light the candle there's uh the first week is usually the youngest person who can play with matches uh, <laughs> depending if their parents let them they so the youngest person in the congregation you know will light light it the first week uh then it's the oldest person in the congregation the second week and so there's there's there is a way of doing it in certain prayers that go with each week and each lighting. It's interesting here at St. Francis because, you know, we have four masses every weekend. And so we'll do that blessing, light it four times each weekend. So even though it's already been lit, we still continue to do it because it's for the people that are present at that liturgy. Sure. And I'm assuming that you're, you're not just like having the same kid for every single mass. It's, you know, you're looking around at that particular mass, say, okay, who's the youngest in here right now? Right. And we're, we're very fortunate that we have, you know, a CLOW, Children's Liturgy of the Word. Um, so we have a very active family life in the parish. And so it's it's easy for us to find lots of little kids who want to come forward to do it. Sure. One of the other cool things that we do as a church, I think, is throughout the liturgical year, we change our uh, the, the colors, right? the liturgical colors for the ritual. We have green for ordinary time, you know, red for Pentecost. Uh, for Advent, why... Why the color choice? Like there, there's there's symbolism there. What is it? Well, again, I think it goes back to the uh, church choice that saying that this is a season, a penitential season, and purple is often uh, represented in that way. I guess I'm, I'm I'm a little lost for words. Do you have anything, Father Itar? No, I think it's, it's exactly that. It's the uh, you know, even though it's a season of great anticipation and the second coming of Christ, it does have a penitential aspect to it. And the purple um, or violet is the color used uh, when we do confession, when we wear our stoles. Um, that's often the color we use. So I think that's it's the same as Lent. It's it's kind of funny that there are two different penitential, two different penitential uh, seasons um, with different anticipation. The other thing about Advent is even the lectionary is designed to show anticipation and hope. And so this year, which is year B, all of the first readings are from Isaiah. Because Isaiah is the prophet of hope. You know, and he's telling people, he's calling them back to that holy covenantal relationship and what it's going to be like when they go back into the promised land and be the favored people again. And so those are the readings. You know, so it, it, it really is a way of building us up to welcome Christ either as the newborn child or the second coming of Christ, um, both at the same time. It's in the, I love that symbolism, too, that the, the same symbolism that applies to the birth of Christ is also to his rebirth or his re-entry into the world. Yeah, I, I, going back to the circular, the circular uh, <laughs> wreath, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of wreath, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about on that, Father Hightower? No, I think, uh, you know, we're excited here. Um, we do it, uh, we have two different wreaths that we use here. We have one massive one that we hang up. Uh, so we'll take down the big, huge crucifix behind the high altar and put up uh, put up the advent wreath there. That one is electronic. And then we'll have our candles will go across the high altar on the bottom of the old uh, communion rail. And it, it, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I, I think it's absolutely stunning every time I see it. Though I'm glad I'm not the one who has to get it up there. It's a, <laughs> it's a project to get it up. We have many talented people here who know how to uh, change the scenery and the environment in our church very quickly and very efficiently. 
Yeah, we're very they've fortunate. Been do, they've been doing it for a number of years. Well, we're blessed. <laughs> Father Cochran, did you have anything else you wanted to add real quick? Well, just also that the last seven, eight days of Advent, we have what are called the O Antiphons. O come Emmanuel, the song, lists those in that song. But there's Key of David, uh, Emmanuel. Do you remember some of the other ones? I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm drawing, I'm drawing blank. a blank, blank as you well. You ambushed me. Yes. <laughs> Putting you on the but, spot. But the, uh, uh, in the lectionary and in the Roman Missal, uh, when you get to December 17th, you go to a very specific page where you have the start with the O antiphons. And uh, there again, they're, they're forward-looking. They're titles given, you know, uh, Son of David. And they're uh, invitational. Mm-hmm. Very invitational. Well, it's, it's less of a sorrowful time of year, too, because Lent, of course, we're anticipating the, the passion of our Lord, which is never something easy to think about. Whereas, you know, Advent is, you know, we're waiting through the darker months, but we're anticipating something beautiful. We're anticipating something joyful at the end of it. Right. And, you know, it's funny because Christmas, the nativity, it's, it's not the high holy holiday, but we think it is because of the way kids react and the joy and the, just the excitement and things like that, where they're, you know, Easter is a, a little bit more special. Right. At the same time, uh, kids don't get excited about Easter. They get excited about <laughs> Christmas. You know, each family has its own tradition with Christmas, and uh, it's fun to watch it play out here at St. Francis. Oh, perfect. Well, gentlemen, I, uh, we appreciate you being in to talk about this wonderful season with us, and I hope you, listener, have gotten something excellent from this and that it adds to your your season as well. So thank you both for coming in today. Thank, thank you, you for inviting us. God bless. Thank you for being with us today as we walk as pilgrims this road together. If you feel called to learn more, please consider checking out St. Francis Xavier or your local Catholic church. All are welcome into our community as God loves us all equally. If you are interested in supporting the Vox SFX podcast, please visit sfxmissoula.org backslash donate. Until next time, go forth in peace and be the light of Christ in someone's day. Thank you.